All right. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we're thankful for uh, your grace that abounds in our lives. The song that we just sang about trusting and obeying, Lord. You were, Father, you were faithful. And when we're given your instructions, we've, we've seen how you've proven from generation to generation. Father, that's, that's one of the many reasons that moves us to obey you and trust you. Lord, we're talking about prayer this morning. Father, I, I pray that we'd all be encouraged to grow in our trust in you and that, that we are able to give more and more uh, places and pieces of our lives and hearts to you, Father, uh, and submit them to you in prayer. Father, we know that you work in these situations we don't always understand. And it's not always according to how we want it to be, but Lord, we see you work and you promise us uh, that you will be working in those things. So thank you for the God you are. Father, we pray for those who have yet to know you as their Savior. Would you use us to reach them with the light and freedom and the truth of the gospel? We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Well, uh, we started into chapter four of this study here, and this is really the meat and potatoes of this this whole book by and large. It's the longest chapter, and we said, well, we're not going to get get through it all in just in one week. And so we started a week or so ago, and we did we got through an overview. We're going through Paul's prayer. Uh, we're breaking down some of the the exhortations, instructions that Paul gives about prayer in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And what this verse does for us is it gives us a really good, you know, kind of overview of how do I pray? When do I pray? What do I pray for? All those questions we wrote on the board, uh, this is when that all comes out. And because there's so much confusion in the world, there is so much confusion, I'll say, in the community that we're a part of, in the, the theological persuasion of uh, understanding what God is doing in his grace through the Apostle Paul, a mid-exposition, there's a lot of confusion out there and some uh, different views, particularly when it comes to prayer of how do we pray that into just you know what people understand in prayer. There's a lot of confusion just in the world in general. So uh, I've chosen, rather than to just for uh, completion sake, well, let's just plow through because we only have a few weeks left. I've chosen to just slow us down, and, and we're really going to work through and talk this week and next as we finish this up because it's going to uh, give it give us such a good picture uh, and, and strengthen our ability to, to truly understand, well, what is God doing and, and how is he doing it? So we look over this verse that we are kind of walking through Phrase by phrase, and that's Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. And I'll just read that for us. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. 
And Paul does continue the prayer. He says, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Um, obviously, this is where we get the title of the lesson, Prayer, Perseverance. But there's oh so much more in this verse than just the, the idea of perseverance. And so uh, today we'll be really uh, exploring those two big questions um, of kind of how do I pray? Uh, meaning, you know, is there a, a set script that we need to pray? Because is that a common thing in the world, having a, a set script where we recite it, we can chant it, we can, you know, lots of different ways. Uh, that's one of the things we're going to explore today. And then the other question is, well, what can I pray for? You know, physical things, spiritual things, anywhere in between things I want, uh, only things I know. Um, and that all comes out from these, these verses here that Paul answers that for us, not only here in short form, but when we see the testimony of all of his letters, and then when we just look at God himself, we're going to see the answers to those questions. All right. I want us to begin. We're on the page one of the handout, and we're going to begin with that quote. Uh, it's the, the paragraph that's written there. We did look at it last week just as we started, or a couple weeks ago when we briefly uh, referenced this. This quote by Pastor Sadler really is very appropriate, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful encouragement to us. So if you don't have the blanks filled in, I'll encourage you to, to listen along to it as, as we do that. So uh, three quarters of the way down the page, the quote says this, To pray all the time is to be aware of God's presence in our lives all the time. We don't pray with meaningless chants, religious repetitions, or rehearsed prayers, but within a real relationship. Speaking as a child to a loving father, knowing that he is interested and involved in every area of our lives and desires for us to turn to him constantly. That's beautiful. Whoever wrote this has a big God in their lives, and they have a God that they've seen be faithful and true, and to do above all that he could ask or think. That's, that's, the, that's the God who is, and, and he is writing of that kind of experience. So the blanks filled in there were God's presence, and secondarily, that uh, you know we're not just going after these repetitions, we're praying within the context of a relationship. Okay? I would like us to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, please. <clears throat> so what's interesting is... Uh, we're going to look, so we already saw, you know, Paul said praying always. We answered the question, when do we pray? All the time, at every moment. Every second of the day is an opportunity 
to redirect our heart, our intentions, our affections back towards him. It's, it's, in, it's the context of a relationship going back and forth that we can choose to tap into or ignore at any point. Um, and so uh, that's the context of that quote. But also, you know, what does it look like when we pray? Well, we can certainly think, and I, I, I dare say there's not a single one of us that haven't come across somebody in their lives that when we talk to them about, oh, well, praying always, or just prayer in general, this conjures up the idea of, well, I will go back to postures. I'm going to get down on my knees, and I, and I have these words that I need to repeat back and forth. And there's different flavors of prayer, right? There's prayers of repentance, prayers of confession, prayers of adoration, and you know, but they're these scripted out prayers. One of the most prevalent ones in this world, people who aren't even religious can recite this from memory because they might have somebody on the religious flavor in their lives. And this is just so prevalent. This has been set to music again and again and again. And and it, uh, I just, I find it interesting how, how the world has adapted and missed the point of what the Lord is even saying in this. Um, and, and with that, I will tell you, we're looking at the more expanded passage. We could go to Luke. And uh, in, if we look in Luke, the disciples come to him, to, to Christ, to Jesus, and, and they go, hey, teach us how to pray, pray because uh, John, he taught his disciples how to pray. We want the same thing, you know. And it's almost funny in my mind. You know what that sounds like? Proud. And that's in the context in Luke, Christ says, well, when you pray, uh, pray like this. Father, heaven. You, you look at that passage. It's interesting. But when it comes up in the, in the book of Matthew, it's in the context of, uh, of he's, he's preaching and he's teaching to a multitude. So Matthew chapter 6 is where we have this, that Christ's discourse starts pages before. Does anybody know what this section of Matthew is, is common, or sorry, of Matthew is typically called this sermon or set of teachings of Christ? Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And, and are we familiar with these also being called the Beatitudes? All right. So the Beatitudes are, you know, the platitude that people say about the Beatitudes are these are the attitudes that ought to be within God's children. And it's, it's really interesting. I want to set the framework that this is what Christ is talking about. But I want you to look in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, because this will give us context. And it's super important for us to understand this context. <clears throat> but Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And that was Matthew 4, 23. Okay, sorry. Sorry, I, I'm just trying to give us the big picture context of... I was not right, Oh, no problem. Um, Christ, is, his ministry is early on in his public earthly ministry. And it's clear, though, that he is going about and he's teaching good news of 
a kingdom coming and of his kingdom and of the kingdom promised for his people, the nation. All right, He's, he's bringing that out. And uh, the nation of Israel had developed a heart problem from the very get-go. All right, and their their hearts were there, their hearts weren't. They were there, they weren't. And uh, and as he's going through these beatitudes, he's trying to get them aligned. He's trying to get them back to the place that they ought to be and get things lined up exactly as they should be before God. All right, and so he's really addressing a lot of the things of the heart. You know, they were doing the things, but they were missing the God of the things and the faith. Uh, element of that. So in that context, go with me now to chapter 6, and let's look at verse 5. Let's read 5 through 13. We'll just read his prayer. All right, so let's each just take a verse. Matthew 6, 5 through 13. Um, if you want to start, please. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may see, be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray we, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Now lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. We can all get up off our knees. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> it almost, whenever we're like, even reading it aloud, like, like uh, other experiences come up in my mind of like times where I've seen people repeating this prayer or participating, you know, in this prayer. A couple of things to to pull from and to look at here, you know, uh, again, he's trying to align their heart and get them in the right place, get them where they should be. One of the things he has to do with time and time again are the, the, the religious pride that has uh, taken root in a great sense, you know, with the Pharisees, with the, with the Sadducees, the different sets of religious leaders. And he's saying, when you're praying, you know, don't be like that. And, and, and in the sense, he's really calling to mind the hypocrisy of, you know, I'm not praying to a person. I'm not praying because the, the, the need and the petition of my heart are so great that I need to give this to the one I can know can do something about it. I'm praying so that others can see the grandioseness they can see my ability to orate using religious words and, and ideas. Now, I'm being a little silly when I go with that, but, but the Lord was able to discern their hearts, and he's calling out this idea that there were people who were praying in flowery ways and, and praying in a public way 
and the attention was on me and my prayer and what was uh, going on. He's saying, hey, don't, don't fall into that trap because, you know, whatever they want, they're going to get it. In the, in, in the sense of not whatever they're praying for, they're going to get. But, you know, in their heart, they, they, if you want the love and affection of mankind, if you want people to follow you and because of the great faith that you have and the, your ability to follow the, the law to the, the uh, letter, if that's what you want, you're going to get your own reward. All right. That's, that, you're going to get what you deserve, <laughs> so to speak. But then there's a contrast. And again, Christ is giving them in line. And you, you really see the contrast of the they versus what I want you to do here. And it's interesting enough, he said, you know, when you pray, go to the secret place. He says, you know, and your father, he's going to see what you're doing in secret. All right. And it's the secret. The, the, this secret here isn't secret like you know, the, the kind of secret that Paul had of there was something that was not yet revealed and kept veiled and hidden from others. This secret has to do with the internal things of the heart. That's really the idea that's coming out there. He says, it's not out here when you pray. It's here and here. All right. that That's the idea he's bringing out. And he says at the same time, uh, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Interesting enough, the word reward, it's a completely different word than the reward that is present for the other people. Again, there's a really big contrast that Christ is, is pointing out here um, between what they do and how I'm going to deal with them and, and what I want you to do and how I will deal with you and honor you in your faith and how you approach me. Now, there's a phrase, one, two, three, four. Four, that is used four times just in the passage that we read. If we expand our passage to verse 15, it's used two more times in that passage. I want you to put your super sleuth detective stuff on there and see there's a phrase. I'll give you a clue. It's of a person. Well, that's, that's there. That's there. But that's not what I'm after in this one. Our Father. Yeah. Our Father. Look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father. Something that Jesus Christ did in his earthly life is he got, I mean, he lived in obvious, in, in perfect submission, in unity with the Father. But he always highlighted and pointed back to that in the, the personal nature of that. You know, Israel loved to speak in, in terms of nationality, you know, <laughs> like we. And Christ is here going, yes, we, but you. You know, there he was after the – a nation is made up of individuals, all right? And this nation was going to be a nation of priests. Well, that starts one by one in their faith. And so he says, your father, who is in the secret place, and your father. He's making things real personal here, right? Will reward you openly. And then we go down to verse 8. Therefore, don't be like them. For 
your Father knows. Okay, well, how am I supposed to pray then? Well, our Father, who is in heaven. All right. And then, interesting enough, as Doug pointed out, when he does shift and the, the issue of forgiveness comes out here, um, uh, the, the personal connection with our Father or your Father comes out again in verses 14 and 15. So I find that interesting and that's why I really wanted to spend time in this passage because uh, Pastor Kevin in this is, is talking about, you know, we're not just vainly repeating, we're praying within the context of a relationship. And I think so often we come to this passage and we're like, well, we, we come to this passage in Matthew. If we understand what God is doing today and that this isn't even directly to us, um, but, uh, you know, but rather we can learn from it. You know, we come here like the purpose of this passage is that you're not supposed to. Yes, that's one thing. I mean, that's actually literally what he was teaching them to do. But secondarily to that is look at the intimacy that he was trying to bring out. And that is the very point that everybody has missed with this passage. You know, we miss that the, the heart, you know, um, connection with all of that and so what are we left with when we miss the heart of it when we miss that prayer is really a connection it's a conversation between well then we're, we're left with emptiness we're left with how does he describe it in verse seven <laughs> vain repetitions as the heathen do you know this is strong because he's he's Basically equating, you've got the religious, self-righteous religious person doing what they're doing, looking for glory. But then there's this secondary problem of not just self-serving prayer and, and getting the following of, of others and the praise of others. You have, I think, uh, a case can be made that there's, in addition to that, not just a completely second secondary problem, but it. You know, it's kind of all one and the same. You know, you can also be self-serving in it, but you can also, you know, just be vain babbling, just like the pagans, just like the nations are doing. All right, that's where you can go with this. So it is irony of all ironies that, as Christ teaches, don't be vain in repetition uh, with this. And And if you actually look at the... The language of this, the, the original wording, as a Greek mind would have understood that, actually has the idea of stammering and stuttering. Um, and when it gets expanded to it, when you, when you think of it, have you ever, maybe you've actually struggled with stuttering before in your life. I have, I have people in my life who have struggled with stuttering. And as they do it, they put fillers in there. When they're trying to get a thought out, they need to like slow their mind down. And so they put filler words and they'll go, uh, and then, and, 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 and just to let their mind kind of catch up with them. And that's the idea of, you know, just like repetition, filler, it means nothing. And there's, you're just adding all of this stuff in there. It's empty. Uh, chatter is a word that's kind of thrown in. Um, and that's what he's, the very thing he's teaching against. And yet people have taken this and turned it into that very thing where we repeat it a time and time again, where it becomes a bit of, of a chant. 
So um, if we're looking at this, you know, we'll answer the first question here. How does this, you know, praying always in that quote we read about being in the context of a relationship. I, I put these words on it. Christ taught uh, them to avoid vain repetitious prayers, but to pray about all things in the context of relationship. I think that's one of the, the main important things we walk away from here. It's the Our Father thing. Hmm. Kind of interesting, you know, reading through this passage, the, the prayer. Um, it actually makes me want to go back and kind of study this passage again because usually when, when we hear about the Lord's Prayer in our context and mid ex dispensational theology, uh, this we don't have to do this, we don't do this, we do it, we, yeah. we, you know, we, we just we go here to make a contrast and we move on, mm -hmm. you know, we don't really look what's going on here with what you're doing right now. Yeah. And I and I find this interesting, first of all, the Lord. He instructs this prayer. After this point, when do you find the apostles ever praying these words precisely? You don't. Yeah. I don't think he meant this to be a formula. Like mm -hmm. we see a lot of churches today, like we, we say the same words over and over. They yeah. turn it into a repetitious prayer, yeah. a lot of denominations. I don't mm -hmm. even think that was Christ's intention for his disciples. Mm -hmm. I think he gave ingredients. Yeah. You don't have to follow this recipe, but the ingredient, and there's a lot of good ingredients for us. Yes. You know, intimacy with the Father, our Father yeah. in heaven. Hallowed be your name. There's the exaltation. There's the spirit yeah. of exaltation. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's submission. That's that's relief. That's you, your trust and obey, yeah. fall back in the Lord. That's you know, yeah. your will, not my will, that whole idea. You do see Christ pray that later. Mm -hmm. And then daily, you know, this daily needs. You know, mm -hmm. Genesis there daily. Well, there's there's an ingredient there of well, I don't I don't make bread. I don't, I mean, I can't create from the dust of the ground, what feeds mm -hmm. me, you know, anyway. This, uh, you know, you could just go down there, there's ingredients, and you get into the forgiveness one, and we do, that's usually where the contrast comes in. Yeah. And you could even debate exactly what is he talking about when he says, forgive us our debts. Um, whether it's some kind of judicial forgiveness, or is it some kind of... Uh, salvation. Is it salvation, or is it sanctification? You know, you could get into that anyway. But the issue is... I find the ingredient there is I'm talking to God about my own failures and about my outlook on others. And I'm taking that to him and dealing with those things in my heart. And then, of course, the whole temptation and Satan thing that comes next, you know, again, dealing with the, the, the prayer becomes, in a sense, self-focused, but self-focused for the right reasons. Lord, mm -hmm. I need you in this area, this area, mm -hmm. this, so I can be yeah. like you. I can be holy like you're holy and so forth. Um, anyway, so I think I just I, I I think if we could view it as the ingredients and not the recipe, it might help us a lot. <laughs> yeah, it might say like you know actually there's a lot of good stuff there. Because mm -hmm. later you go to to the Book of Acts, and they all pray with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. They never prayed this. They never say yeah. this. They're saying other things. Yeah. So I guess I don't think it was ever meant to be a formula, even mm -hmm. for those saints looking forward to the kingdom. There's a recipe. There's an ingredients there. They were looking for an earthly kingdom. We get that, and there were certain things, but it wasn't—it wasn't meant to be a recipe. It was the ingredients that yeah. keep this in your prayer life. This is what's. Mm -hmm. And and I have to also add, interesting, in the first few verses of that chapter, the the praying in public, sounding the trumpet when you do something yeah. good. Yeah. That's what I want. 
I know. Lucas, come here. Hold, every time I do something good, play this trumpet. I know. <laughs> Everybody can applaud. <laughs> That's the flash. Yeah. But, you know, he seems to be kind of talking toward um, religious leaders in Israel, like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, mm-hmm. you dress a certain way, you do things a certain way. Everybody knows who you are in your stature. But then he also prays about the heathen, which are mm-hmm. outside of Israel. So I... I just have to appreciate that he kind of lumps the Pharisees and Sadducees in with the with heathen. The heathen. Yeah. <laughs> as, he's, as he's saying, yeah. no, this is what prayer is about. Your yes. father, this, what's going on in your life. You know. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's why it's was trying to draw that point, too, or, or to, cl- to clarify even further. Like, yes, he's talking about, you know, the, the religious leaders have their own issue, and he does bring the heathen. There's a bit of an equality in there that he's saying, you know, they're, they're in the same boat, you know, and, and this is where I, I want you to get. Um, you don't have to go to either extreme. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think you had mentioned about self-focus. I don't know. I think it's more self-reflection yeah. is, is, you know, what we can well, bring into it. it. Yeah. Father, I'm struggling with this. I need to, I, I want to, I don't want to live this way. I don't want to be upset at my brother. I don't want, mm-hmm. I meant like that way, yeah. a way of like, yeah, I'm failing and I need you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm aware of my failings and, so maybe it'd be better with self-reflection, maybe better way to say it. Yeah, and I do, I, I agree with Pastor Kern. I don't believe this was ever to be a prayer that was to be repeated, because in its giving, it was like, don't do that. But yeah, we did it. Corey asked me a question. This is a couple months ago or weeks ago. You know about like, well, where, you know, Jews rep- repeating prayers and stuff. Where did that came from and come from? And I think it was in the context of you had asked about. There's a, a television uh, production. One of the, it's the best one I've seen out there. It's called The Chosen. Uh, it's a series uh, that really uh, nails the culture and a, a lot of great aspects about it. And it it brings out the humanity of Christ in a way that magnifies His deity in an even greater way. I mean, it, uh, it does a great job of that. But something that is brought out in the show is, uh, you know, they, they depict Christ praying the Shema. We've talked about that in the past couple uh, months together where that was the prayer of, Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is what clumps together a prayer of different portions of Deuteronomy put together for them. Well, where does, where does that come from? Did, were they supposed to really, uh, you know, be repeating that as a nation? You know, was this the repeated prayers? Because if we we try to go through scripture, there's not much prescription of the Lord, even, you know, with that. There there were prayers and there were times of prayers, you know, kind of in some of the research I I had done, because I had to come to terms with that of like, okay, well, you know, were they to be repeating prayers? Are we to be repeating prayers? You know, because we need to get that down in our in our heart and mind. Well, the best I could trace it is that, you know, that, that Shema, that prayer. When he's giving the instructions in Deuteronomy 4 or 6, he talks about you, you repeat it to your children. You do it uh, when you rise and when you go to bed. So two times a day. And from that, that is literally where they develop the call to go throughout uh, Israel's history around the time of the second temple. As the temple was rebuilt, they developed their prayer book. Does anybody know what the, is, is, the Jewish prayer book is called? It's called a cedar. 
All right. And so this Jewish prayer book around that time kind of came out. And that's where, you know, that's where I see their religion really got stuck <laughs> into it. You know, it was, uh, as I look, I don't see anywhere that that was really prescribed of the Lord through the law. And I definitely don't see Christ trying to support or uphold, you know, that idea. I'm open to learning if you've seen other things that I haven't, but, you know. No, I just, I just think of that in the whole context of just traditions. You know, traditions can be positive, memorials. Um, we see those, as he prescribed some, obviously, feast days, and, they, you know, it's a traditional, like, this is a good time to look back. Or, you know, mm-hmm. Traditions can be positive, but when traditions become the master, right, when mm-hmm. traditions become the driving force, which does seem to be, the religious environment that Christ encountered based yeah. on the Second Temple era and, and went long after that. I mean, I guess it was later with Hasmonean times when the Sadducees and the Pharisees arose, but mm-hmm. where tradition outweighed the Word of God, that's what Christ, right? He said, You're, mm-hmm. you make the Word of God uh, void with your traditions. Okay, he told yeah. them, You're taking the Word of man over the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think, I think there's a balance in it of like, yeah. it's not a bad thing to have a tradition or something that helps me or we as a group, mm-hmm. um, uh, there's really nothing sacred about church meeting on Sunday morning. There's people can turn to a couple of verses and try to say that that's the way it's supposed to be, but there's nothing prescribed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, if you get if you move church off of Sunday morning today, people might be like, "Whoa, <laughs> well, wait a minute, yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. You know, it, it fits really good. I mean, we've kind of developed some of our even our culture. You, you know, culturally we've changed, but our culture used to like. Well, we just everything shut down on Sunday because it's so entrenched. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, you know, it can be a good thing because it gives everybody a chance to be there. I'm just saying, there's always that balance, right, between yeah. what, what, why the tradition, and mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I think that's what I see with like, uh, I don't know about the Shema. I think uh, there's also the the point of no Bible, right? You you yeah. hear it at synagogue, either you memorize it or you don't get to hear it again until you go back to synagogue. You don't pull out the scroll of yeah. the Torah because you don't have one. You know, nobody, mm-hmm. you don't have this. It's not like, a, you know, turn around 18 Bibles on the table right now. Only four people here, you know? But, <laughs> I, you know, it's like, um, yeah. they had to memorize it. And There's a practicality to it. Practicality. Yeah. You know, like where we might maybe, I mean, if at Christmas time, I like to take the family, go reread Luke chapter two. You know, why mm-hmm. do I do that? Well, because it just it flavors it a little bit for me. It's, it's yeah. it, it helps me. I'm not I'm not. That's not you know. It doesn't become my mm-hmm. my god. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, have to yeah. do that. Anyway, I just think there's a balance in some of that. You know. And, and uh, anyway. Um, yeah. I agree. Um, <laughs> I think that the um, this specific portion of scripture is a reflection of man's old nature of needing something to do. Mm -hmm. I need to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how their whole history Mm -hmm. um, after Abraham and after Moses and Mm -hmm. the law and then the sacrifices and everything in the temple. Mm -hmm. Probably there was a name and a sacred screw that held the hinge to the cedar pole. Yeah. But I think that God is giving them an answer that there is something you can do. Fortunately, the song, the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. is better 
than just the written word. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a dramatic, there's emotion. There's movement and to it. it rises sure. to the very end. Thine you know, be the kingdom. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get goosebumps when yeah. I hear it. Um, <laughs> it's great. But this is uh, kingdom versus uh, Colossians uh, 3, 1 to 3. Um, it's, um, it sounds good. I can do something. And yeah. that's what they are. They ask God, you know, tell us how to pray or pray. Mm -hmm. And this was the matrix that they were supposed to put in. Mm -hmm. uh, all of their personal prayers, you know, start out here, go from there, and I can do something. Yeah. And, um, but it's still, it's flavored for me in this age of grace. Um, pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That is something that uh, you see Christ in his earthly ministry. I mean, he upped the anti right. He he picked up the game for them because he was saying, you know, it's 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 not what you can do. It's it's about the, you know, he was uh, exposing the inability of the flesh of the old man as as you're bringing out. But this is where it is. It, it comes to the heart, and then we get to grace, and it's just like, whoa. We see it at an even greater level because we do look at it today, and those encouragements of praying without ceasing, praying always, as what's here in Ephesians chapter six. That is just. It's profound, you know, um, with that. And, you know, we, we walk with the encouragement that the praying always, it's, these are divine interactions. This isn't just a, a thing I get to do, an offering I get to, to set and lay before. It is, um, you know, literally to pray, if you break it down, the, the prepositions that are attached to it and all of that, it means to... Um, to exchange wishes is kind of one way that you can look at it. It's, you know, it's, it's a moving towards and, and then it's an exchange. I give, I give God something and he gives something in return. You know, there, there is that. And I actually do find that interesting. Even in the passage in Matthew here, he talks about, you know, you'll have uh, the father who, who is good will give you a uh, great reward and openly. Yeah, it's different. It's not the same thing, but there is a giving and receiving there. That that is the the low level application, or I guess you know high level application. I guess you know bird's eye view of the idea. So uh, that being said, I don't I don't want to beat the point to it, but you know I will say, and of course in our mind we can think of various denominations that you know prescribe this and you're going to do this, and they added to it just like the Jews. You know there was a practical. If you memorize the Shema and you pray. The Shema, that, that's how you got the word of God, and that's how you could keep it with you. But then they added to it, you know, that cedar, that prayer book is very developed, and they don't add much to it. Even Messianic Jews, Jews who have who believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, they've they're doing the same thing. They've just flavored it differently, uh, and they you tend to pray more about new covenant type stuff. They're still caught in some of those. The, the trappings of it. But there are many where I would read a lot of their works. They're great, but but you get them. And there, there's even a lot of that would fall in the evangelical camp of theology that here's here's a daily prayer for you. And, it, you know, and I love reading people's prayers. I think it's beautiful. But it's not something that I'm going to take that prayer and say, I'm going to pray this daily, you know. 
you can use it as, as Pastor Kern said, as ingredients, you know, like, oh, that's what he's doing there. And, and I find beauty in that. I'm encouraged. Let me pray about that. I also like what Doug said. It's a matrix. That's a really good word picture, you know, of, of these are all of the ingredients and we pull and it creates this lattice work structure, you know, um, as very loose in nature that, you know, uh, that we pull from when we pray to the Lord. I, I think that was an excellent picture. So thank you for that. But let's move on uh, just for sake of time alone. And let's go back to Ephesians chapter six. And we move beyond just this idea of, you know, uh, praying always. And with that, uh, just actually communing with the Lord in our prayer, not just uh, repetition. But Ephesians six eighteen. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. All right? So this is where we ask that question, what kinds of things can we pray for? Now, he flat out says, with prayer and supplication. So my quick and easy answer, based off of this alone, you know, uh, prayer is offering supplication, but supplication is a more specific word. It's a more specific kind of request. So I will walk away saying that we can pray for th all things, both generally, which would be wrapped up in the idea of prayer here, just prayer itself. And then specifically, that's where the su supplication comes from. All right. So I can pray about anything and everything, just this verse alone, brings that out with these two words. Something I want to point out here, too, which is, this fascinated me. This got me really excited. Just even on the language side of this, the supplication is a specific request. But there are some, uh, when they really get in and, uh, you know, they're looking at, well, this uses words how this word is used here, or this word is developed from this, and it comes, and they start tracing everything together. The, the roots of this word um, implies that there is a felt personal need. Okay, so a supplication, it's, it's an entreaty, it's a request. But in, in the, the origins of it, there's a felt and very personal need that's there. And there's also an urgency to the need of the hour. Praise God, because this defeats just multiple heresies that, that fall out there anyway. There is a personal and urgent nature to these um, supplication. And, you know, I've explained urgent. just several things in my messages here at this church. Mm -hmm. um, but I talk to people who are really emotional, deep. I mean, they're being divorced. They're, there's something they don't understand. And to me, this is like Philippians. I don't know, pray without ceasing. Uh, with thanksgiving and then with supplication. And to me, that's, I'm thinking, that's beating on the chest of Jesus Christ. Do you <laughs> understand what kind of conditions, what kind of problems I have? And I need those answers now. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, yeah. you know, most people say, well, I, 
ear roar. I know. <laughs> you know, the man is holding his gun in my head. Yeah. But you have a great ear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, we're, we're, God, do you know? And he yeah. welcomes that. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that he instructs us in it. He asks us, he invites us to it, you know. Um, the, I, I really appreciated that, the, the personal nature of it and the urgency of it. And, you know, it's a little particle that the one word derives from. Oftentimes that it's not even translated because we don't have anything in English that really goes with it. But the idea is would be really, really, <laughs> you know, like I really, really have to go to the bathroom, Dad. Can we stop? You know, <laughs> there's just an excitement and an urgency that's brought into it, and I love it. That that just it that really spoke to me because right then and there, I can I can see. Well, if it's on my heart, if it's in my life, as big or little as it is, even if it's fleeting, even if it's not really a big deal and it's never going to come to happen, but it's something I'm going and walking through right now, I get it out and I take it to him. You know, what better recourse? You know, as, as parents, we're, we're constantly training and helping our children learn how to, you know, gain spirit control, which is, you know, produces as the spirit takes over our lives. We gain self-control, right? You know, we can't just say everything that comes to our mind to our spouse. Or if we do, you shall have trouble in this life. No, <laughs> right? We, we can't just like, let it all out there without a filter. We we're seeking to build up and encourage, you know, and, and so that we somehow, not that we're filtering or holding things back, but we, you know, we do pass. I guess we will say we filter it because we're trying to be respectful and, and interact when we're talking to one another. But when we come into our relationship with God, he doesn't need a filter. We give it to him. I'm feeling it. It's yours. And I can take it to him. You know, what a safe place to, to have that, you know, that we get to experience something in our vertical relationship with God that we don't get to do in any other human relationship. Because somewhere along the way, we're going to offend someone else. You know, we're going to offend a person if, if I un- unleash the wrath that I'm feeling over, over an issue in the emotional torment and turmoil. There's a quote here. We'll fill in the blanks. <laughs> Pastor Sadler writes in this, if we can move on, let's see. He doesn't like me. To find joy in his divine company and to make it a habit of life, speaking humbly and conversing lovingly with him at all times, every moment without rule or restriction, above all at times of temptation, distress, and even of faithlessness and sin. He's talking about what, what do we get to do? What do we come to God with? Well, we come to him and there is no rule or restriction that we can't, you know, there, there's nothing off limits. And, and I think that's the thing that when we get into some of these doctrines of you can't pray with it about this, you can't do that. Well, we're adding in these rules and, and restrictions that severely limit where things are at. So there's more to talk about. We'll finish that idea. The book of Philippians, Doug brought that up. The book of Philippians is the answer to, is God involved in the physical? It's all, Philippians is about joy. 
And it's about God doing things physically <laughs> through prayer and deliverance. So, okay. I think the whole purpose is to strengthen our relationship. God, why did God create us to have a relationship with him? And so if you think about it in those terms, any other relationship, although I've heard it referred to, prayer referred to as a child would speak to a parent, um, a prayer, if we just do these repetitive little things, but the relationship will be as deep as we let it grow. You know, if we're coming to him with our heart, then that relationship is strengthened. I was only going to say about Philippians. What I, what I, one of the things I really appreciate about Philippians, because I agree with what you said mm-hmm. about it, is that it's a uh, prison epistle. It's late in Paul's ministry, so it's very hard to discount it for people who want to be like X28 or whatever yeah. and try to get rid of it. Yeah. Oh, it's right there. It's like one of the last things he wrote. So. <laughs> exactly. And we'll, we'll still trust in God at the end. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we'll couple that with some stuff that we see in the book of Romans, which is also another uh, stalwart of our faith in the book of Romans. I mean, you, you can't separate these things. Dear Lord, thank you for this, uh, the discussion. Thank you that you desire us to come to you. Uh, you want us to be personal with you, and you want to, uh, there's an urgency to it, Father. We love you. Thank you. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.